Well, I'm going to share a message with you this morning entitled, Back to the Future. All right, but first I got to see, if anybody's got their Bibles, hold it up, wave it a little bit. We like to make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. And now we'll chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Are you going to help me at all? Na, 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 okay. You get the idea. This, we're warriors, and this thing is a sword, and we fight an enemy that we can't see, and this is the only thing that will bring him down. So repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen? And if you want to read with us later, there are Bible guides. We're going to read two chapters a day with us. Pick those up on the way out and be blessed. So the message is entitled, Back to the Future. And if you're a Bullwinkle fan like I was, he always has two titles to his cartoons. And so my second title would be Future Me. Say Future Me. First of all, my name is Mike Ulmer. I'm one of the associate pastors here. So if you don't like the message, come back next week. The real pastor will be here, Pastor John. So pray for him and Linnell. They have a great time. And if you like this message, it'll be even better next week when pastor's back. But we're talking back to the future. Let's roll a little video and let's... This year will be different. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year, I need to eat less. You know what? I do solemnly swear that this year I will lose 10 pounds. Or at least five. Five is the magic number. That's how many times I want to visit my grandmother this year, which would be five more than last year. Learn to wait. I always want things instantly. I need patience. Now! This year, I'll be nicer to my parents. What, Mom? Get off my back. I just need peace in my life. I'm just so nervous all the time. I just... I'm twitching. Three kids. I'm a twitcher. I'm twitching. I twitch. I just can't seem to get... My pits to stop sweating. Can you... can you see this? Look! When did I become the human leak? I mean, I know I've got some stress about my future and everything, but why can't I just be like everyone else and conceal it? Okay, I'll just have to fake it till I make it. And I'll... Be better than I've ever been in my entire life. If I'm going to make this year count, I have to do some things differently. It's too pay time. Make some goals this year. Just three, not ten. Stop judging people who aren't like me. Stop snapping at my kids. Dream! Character over image. Learn that I'm loved, but not entitled. God, did you forget about me? I'm here. Just show me what to do. Give me the strength to change. What am I saying? I don't even know if I want to change, God. I'm comfortable. I have a good life. I know. You want the best for me. So why don't I want the best for me? Starting tomorrow, 
using my gifts and talents, I'm going to live my life differently, God's way. I'm tired of keeping this great gift. A secret. Can I tell you a secret? I feel like I'm separated from something. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But whatever I need, it's bigger than this world can offer. I offer my life, God. It's something much more than what I can see. So please, God, would you just take this little bit of faith that I have? I just can't wait another year. So let's talk about the future you, okay? So what I want you to do is go back a year from now, like you're sitting in this seat, and it's 2009, and we're looking back to the future to right now. Are you any different than you thought you'd be a year ago? Are you closer to God? Did you have any goals? Did you accomplish any goals? I mean, are you any different at all? Now let's talk about the future you in first person. Say, future me. Tell yourself, you're looking good next year. Because I guarantee you, you look much better in the future than you do right now, according to God's view. Amen? There's a website, uh, it's called futureme.org. And you can go on there, and it's emails that people write to themselves to the future. So you can write yourself an email and get it a year from now. Now, what would that say a year from now? I mean, are you going to be a different person? Are you going to be closer to God? Because you can't do the same thing over and over and expect different results. You can't go down the same road and expect different scenery. Something's got to change, okay? I really believe for 2011 to step into all God has for you, there is a line you need to cross over. There's something you've got to step into and cross over. There's always a line when you talk about going to the next level in anything. Whenever you want to go to another level, there's, there's a line you've got to cross. That line represents, you know, energy and effort and time, whatever it takes to, to step over that line. But on the other side of that line are those people you admire. You know, whether it's Oprah, whether it's uh, Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, whoever it is. You know, those are the people on the other side of that line. And that future me that you really want to be is on the other side of that line. Can anybody say amen? amen? Here's the thing. Sometimes that line will seem like a wall. I mean, you just hit something, and it's like, I don't think I can do it. But it's always worth crossing that line. There's always resistance, but it's always worth it. I want you to think about the time you crossed the line to become a Christian. And when you say that's a line you needed to cross... Or maybe a line you need to cross today if you haven't become a Christian. But when you're on this side of the line, like I was for 30 years, I was in church and doing those things, but really living like the devil the rest of the time. And there was a line I needed to cross, and it was in a chapel service. Somebody began to say, man, God's got a plan for your life. Man, there's a hope and a future for you, but you've got to stop doing things your way, do things His way. You've got to invite Him into your life because He won't force His way in. And I realized that day, man, I need to step across the line. And for me, it was raising my hand for somebody to say a prayer with me. But before I went across that line, there was resistance. My flesh, the enemy, I mean, voices in my head, man, don't do that. They'll just think you're a Jesus freak and part of the God squad. And you'll never have any fun anymore and all these lies. But aren't you glad you stepped over? I'm telling you. 
And anything you go to step over in, anytime you go to that next level, there's going to be resistance. And the best way I can explain this is, you know, is in my life and kind of my football career. And I know some of the youth, especially the old ones, have heard this a hundred times or more. And they could probably, uh, I could get BG up here and he could tell it for me. But some of you probably never heard it. But when I was just playing football in the park in Clay Center and just throwing the ball around and we play tag or whatever and, and do all those things, to go to the next level is organized football. And in Clay Center, Nebraska, I mean, I had to fight for a position amongst 23 other football players. Only 23 on the football team. Only 21 in my graduating class. And yet my freshman year, I don't know why they didn't play me. I weighed just a little over 100 pounds. I mean, but I spent most of my time running up and down the sidelines cheering for my teammates. Never stepped on the field. I had an opportunity to quit, but I just, and I know what you cheerleaders go through. And I lost my voice. I couldn't speak on Saturdays. I'd lose my voice Friday night. But I remember finally I got my opportunity to play my junior year. And I'd grown up to a whopping five foot seven, 135 pounds. But a coach saw me working hard and said, you're going to be my quarterback. So we got together. We wrote all the plays on pieces of tape, had them all taped to my arms. And my first game in Dorchester, Nebraska, a little field just kind of out in the Cutting the cornfield, standing room only. Of course, I didn't have any bleachers. That's probably why. And I'm just nervous as can be. And I'm on the sidelines, and you hear, I'm starting for the Clay Center Wildcats. It'll be Mike Ulmer, number 11. And I go running out in the field. It feels like I'm getting smaller and smaller. By the time I get to the middle of the field, I feel like I'm about two feet tall. And I get in the huddle. I'm the leader. I'm the captain. I'm the quarterback. I'm the guy leading the team. And I'm staring at the ground. I'm kind of looking at these plays, but I forget. I went blank. I forgot what sport we were playing. I didn't say a word. Finally, the running back taps me on the shoulder and said, Mike, you've got to call the play. Well, I finally got up enough courage, and I said, you call the play. And honestly, he had to call the play. They snapped the ball. I give it to whoever was back there. And once I got that first play up from under my belt, then things got worse. I mean, we lost a game. I felt, you know, our brains have a way of kind of blocking out bad memories. I don't remember much about it, except the feeling of walking off the field, feeling like a failure. Feeling like, man, I'm never going to do this again. Every cheerleader saw me. Everybody in Clay Center saw me. I just want to give up. But my dad's there. He's got a roll of lifesavers for me. Make me feel a little better. They didn't quite do it. And the coach is there. He puts his arm around me. He said, now, Mike, I know it wasn't the best game, but what you got to do is you got to think of some of the positive things. So we stood there what seemed like three or four hours trying to think of a positive thing. And he finally goes, hey, you completed two passes. He said, now, next year you can complete them to our teammates. I went one more game, two more interceptions. My football career as a quarterback is zero completions, four interceptions. So I could have quit. But I went on to college because it was just in me. I knew I wanted to go to that next level. Started about the same way. You know, finished a lot better. But I went on, signed with Chicago Bears, played eight years of professional football. But to get to that professional level, there was a line I had to cross over that the other people weren't willing to. As a matter of fact, when I first went to Chicago, there were some other running backs there competing for a position. Walter Payton, Ed Marinero, which is on Hill Street Blues, All-American, Johnny Muso, All-American from Alabama. There's a bunch of them. I made it right to the last cut, but I ended up going home. And then you got those people at home that are still on this side of the line. I call them the boat people. The same ones that were telling Peter, you can't walk on the water. You can't do those things. And I could have just sat down and stayed in the boat. But something just made me, so what did I do? Up at 5 in the morning to the Rocky music blaring on my stereo, automatically kick on, drink my two raw eggs, you know, go lift weights with a guy, then go to work from 7 till 6 at night, and then go try to do wind sprints at the end of the day. So it took some energy and effort, but I'm telling you, it was worth it. 
And how much more are spiritual things worth it? And it's amazing with God, what I've seen is sometimes I don't have to put that much energy in and I get huge rewards and benefits. Can anybody else say amen? amen? So let's talk about your future. What does God say about it? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future, a future and a hope. In the Message Bible, it says it this way. God's saying, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. So where's this future you really hope for? It's on the other side of this line. And you'll never experience that future if you don't ask Christ into your life. Because he's the one that created you. He's the one that has that plan. He won't force his way in. You have to invite him in. And you'll have an opportunity to enter this service if you haven't done that. But you're going to be able to sit in these chairs a year from now and go back to the future and feel like you're in that future God has for you. That you'll be that future me you really want to be. So let's talk about your future. The first words are find him. Say find him. Deuteronomy 4.29 But from there you will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. That word seek implies effort, doesn't it? And the word find implies reward. That if you seek, you're going to get something out of it. And God will never let you down. Now if I told my son, go in the backyard and dig a hole. Just dig. He's not going to be real motivated, and I don't know if he's going to do it without some sort of coercion of some sort. But if I said, oh, by the way, I buried several thousand dollars worth of gold coins out in the yard, kind of by that volleyball standard. They're yours if you can find them. <laughs> Boy, he'd be digging away. All of us would, wouldn't we? And I'm telling you, there's some gold nuggets, there's some jewels in this thing right here. If you'll just get it out and dig a little bit. If you'll spend some time with your father, the one who created you. He wants to reveal some secrets to you. Now, has anybody seen the show American Pickers? Any pickers out there? Okay, these guys are kind of antique dealers or whatever, and, and they go around the country to find little treasures in people's junk. And it's not just a one-time thing. This is their life. So they're out looking. They're driving the roads. They see this old barn, and there's an old sign. Oh, man, let's stop there. Ask if we can give them a list of things we look for. And they got a girl back in the office call, giving them leads, and they'll find this place. And they'll talk to the guy and they say, yeah, we got this old barn back here. Our dad passed away 20 years ago and we've never been in there since. And they get this gleam in their eye. And then they go in there and they get sweaty, dirty. They're climbing over things, digging through stuff, and they just keep going. They know there's some treasure in there if they keep looking. And finally get to that point and all of a sudden there's twinkle in his eye and he sees something. And it looks like to me it's just an old rusted bicycle frame. But he realizes it's like the first Harley Davidson that come out. And all that's left is a rusty frame, no motor, no wheels. And he gives a guy like five or six hundred bucks, and they turn around and sell for three or four thousand bucks. But I mean, they put some energy and effort in. And the thing is, when they're digging through this, they get this high. And they call it a junk drunk, looking through people's junk and finding stuff. And they just get this excitement. How much more is it exciting to get with the Lord when He reveals things to you? But if you never stop and be quiet, and listen, and ask, and read, and pray, you'll never find out. And with the Lord, there needs to be a continual seeking. He wants to bless you. He wants to reveal secrets. And hopefully, like I said, you found the Lord. But even if you're a Christian, there is a seeking, there is a finding Him that needs to happen even before this year comes. And pastor is going to ask our church to set aside 21 days for fasting and prayer. 
And you need to be a part of that. And whether you're fasting from some sort of media or video games or sweets or, or going three or seven days without food and just whatever the Lord speaks to you. But you got to have your ears open and at least ask. And then set, set yourself aside sometime and begin to seek Him. And I'll make you this promise. At least it's been that way in my life. If you seek Him corporately, you'll find Him individually. If you'll seek Him and join with the church and seek as a church, in the midst of that, I promise you, He'll reveal some things to you personally. Because you've got to take a step over this line for the church to move over this line. And I'm talking about every one of us. Aren't we going to be more powerful if 100% of us are rowing the same direction? I mean, we can be a force in this city. In Jesus' name. Amen? Now, the best way for me to find Him is getting His presence. I mean, and with me, it's worship. That's the best way for me. Or just prayer and worship, being good, but just worshiping. And I'm telling you, it's, it's great on your own and you have to. But there's some, I believe there's going to be a time in January, there's just going to be some worship one of these nights. And it's going to be one of those times, I'll make you this promise too. You won't want to come. Because I, I don't. I recognize it. My flesh is thinking, oh man, we already went to church all day. We're going to have worship Sunday night. Oh, But I've been there enough to know, oh man, it's sweet. It's worth it. I'll love it when I get there, if I can just get my flesh there. Amen? That's why you got to have somebody, a weightlifting partner, to say, hey, get there. Come with me. Now, we don't need to find Him to help us do what we're doing. We need to find Him to find out what He's doing so we can help Him do what He's doing. Very simple. It's put, God, what are you doing? I want to get involved. There's a, a Bible study called Experiencing God. And one of the things that stuck out in there was kind of the revelation. A lot of times, even as a pastor, I'd go and I'd say, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. Now bless it. Come on, come with me. Now bless it. And I would do those things a lot. And then this revelation came, okay, God, what are you doing? And you begin to look, you begin to listen. What are you doing? And then you get involved in it. And I'm telling you, it's a whole lot better. Travis and I were noticing, and, and Joe, I think, uh, told us too, there's some guy... Uh, started this little place called I Love Evelyn and reaching out to the homeless. And it seemed like God's doing something there. So we went down and kind of looked and saw what God was doing and said, hey, we want to be a part of this. And so our church started feeding down there. And it went on for about six months. And I mean, people were getting saved and touched and it was just a powerful thing. But there's, what is God going to be doing this year that we can get involved with? Amen? And sometimes... You know, it's nice to kind of just be by yourself and just kind of relax and, and not do anything or just do something by yourself. But that can get old pretty fast. You know, and sometimes it's just more like, you know, you might like to go to Six Flags, but it's not that exciting just to ride on a ride by yourself. A little bit, but when you're experiencing it with somebody, isn't it so much more fun? And when you're by yourself, isn't there certain people you can just kind of be around, you know it's going to be fun? I mean, if you're bored, just call Brittany Trumbull. And just... And, it just, and it's going to be fun, whatever happens. Matter of fact, if you get bored, just think the words Brittany Trumbull. And she'll probably just walk through your door. At least she does mine every once in a while. Just, oh, hello. But isn't it going to be fun to hang out with God? It really is. Hanging out and finding things. He wants to reveal things. And especially when you know you're helping change the world. You're changing people's lives. The you is understand. Say understand. You need to understand that God wants you to be successful. That's it. We just read it in the Word. Read this book of success. He wants you to be successful. He wants to reveal secrets to you. Psalm 25, 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself, 
himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will show them his covenant or he'll reveal their deep inner meaning to you. He wants to reveal things to you. Listen to Ephesians 1. It's a prayer in, in verse 18. I pray, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the wonderful future. Understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. Let me just pray over you right now. Father, I just pray and prophesy over this congregation, over this church. Lord, that you'll open the eyes of our understanding that we'll know the hope of your calling. That we'll enter in to that future you have for us. Lord, and I declare and decree that this church will cross that line. Lord, and we'll begin to make a bigger difference in this community. Lord, bless our pastor. Bless his wife and his family. Lord, and I pray everybody will begin to find their position. Begin to serve. Begin to witness. Begin to invite. Just begin to, begin to just set themselves apart to hear from you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in agreement with that, say amen. amen. The T is trust him. God has a great future for you. And you look much better in the future than you do right now, but you have to trust Him. Say, trust Him. Listen, you better know this verse. This is like a, a third grader ought to know this one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. Acknowledge your ways. How's it go? I'm only in second grade. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. He'll direct your paths. How do you acknowledge Him? At school, when you get an A on that test and they realize, man, I give God praise. On your job, it's to come up with some idea. Oh, that was, that was my idea. Yeah, I thought, no, I give God glory. Just acknowledge Him in all your way. Trust Him. Listen in the Message Bible. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own, you East Texas men. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, He's the one who'll keep you on track. And it's not enough to have faith in a big God, but you've got to have faith in a God that can do big things in you, and you, and you, and you. The U stands for use your gifts. God's given you gifts, talents, abilities. Are you using them for His glory? Hey, uh, well there, Pastor Mike. Um, you know, golly gee, I, I just don't really know what my gifts are, uh, buddy. I, I, I just don't know. Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Because we have a class just for you. Travis, don't make fun of my whatever impersonation it was. I don't even know if that was my Canada slash Southern one. I don't know. We have a class called Connect. I preached this way for a while. Called Connect. And it's a series of four stuff. <laughs> You're not going to stop, are you? Ed, tell them to be quiet. Okay. Four steps. Every Wednesday night, step three is discovery. Discovering your spiritual gifts. Today, you could get on our website, churchontherock.org. You could go there, and on the front page, there's a little thing you can click on. It says spiritual gifts test. You click on there, it'll give you a readout of what your spiritual gifts are. It'll kick one to one of our coaches. And right now, we have coaches that are waiting to meet with you in January. We'll start a connect class, four classes. And that third one, our coaches will be there. They'll go through your spiritual, they'll help you Find out what that gift and calling is and a place to serve. Now, you might think of your life as a bag full of puzzle pieces. And you think, man, it just don't make sense. I can't really see what it is. And you think, well, if I have more puzzle pieces, then I'll figure it out. You still got a bunch of pieces and you can't tell what the picture is. 
What this class will do in our church is, is, is position yourself to try to help you do is how do you build a puzzle? First of all, where do you start? The edges. You build a frame there. And I'm not saying we're going to give you the whole picture, but we'll help you build that frame so you can get a better idea. And, but you just got to begin to move because God can't steer a parked car. And if you just begin to move, then he can do something with you. Now, the thing about your gifts, they're like muscles. If you don't use them, you'll just lose them. Poor Joe's in a cast now, and after three or four weeks, that calf is just going to start shriveling up. It's called atrophy. You've got to use those muscles if you want them to grow. You've got to use your gifts if you want more of them and want them to be stronger. And your gifts, in most cases, are going to have greater impact in the context of team. They will. When you begin to be a part of a local church and you team up, they just, in most cases, have greater impact. It's called synergy. If you take a horse that can pull uh, 700 pounds of weight and a horse that can pull 800 pounds of weight, you add those together, how much could they pull? You would think 1,500. But synergy, when you actually put them together, they find out they pull over 2,000 pounds together. And so the Bible says if one can put 1,000 to flight, then two can put 10,000 to flight. It's the time that God wants to shine on the local church, but you need to be a part of it and find your spot and get those gifts out and get ready to use them. And the R stands for resources. To go to the next level, to cross over the line, to step into the future God has for you, it's going to take resources. Now, if you had the same amount of resources this next year as you did this last year, are you going to be able to do more with the same amount? Now, there's a chance if you manage things better, you can. As a matter of fact, in some countries, if we gave somebody half of our salary, they could do twice as much. I mean, what do, we, what do we do when chasing this American dream? I mean, there's a book I saw my daughter have, Radical. I just saw the pastor on 700 Club, their whole congregation. I mean, we got people moving out of their big houses in the suburbs, going to the, to the low-end districts and the projects, and all of a sudden, they're, they're winning their neighbors. And they're thinking, man, this kingdom stuff's bigger than my little American dream. But I really believe for what God has for this church and for us this year, because you are the church, right? It's going to take more resources. It's going to take more time, more energy, more effort, more creative energy, more creative ideas, more wisdom, more finances. Now, of all those things I mentioned, what's the least of those? Money is the least according to the Word of God, right? And God says, if I can't trust you with the least, how can I give you more? Trust Him with just 10%. That's all He's asking. And when you do that, that tithe, and you trust him, he says, okay, this is somebody I can use. They're going to actually trust me. And it's not easy, is it? But I'm telling you, you talk to anybody in here that's been doing this a while, he's faithful. I'm telling you. Because I've been there. I mean, I was the one that came home and saw my wife crying from the bill collectors calling when I was playing in the useless football league, USFL, and they wouldn't pay us. And I was trying to get in real estate, and it was going down. But I'm telling you, I just started right then, and God was faithful. A rent check had come in, I didn't know, from a, a brother-in-law that we hardly talked, and it would come in. God will meet your needs. You just got to trust Him. He wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to give you resources. Amen? E is effort, the last one. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Steps imply you got to be moving. You got to put some energy out. And if you're going to cross this line to be who you want to be to, to that future that God has for you, you're going to have to take some steps. That means you're going to have 
to move a little bit, put some energy in it, some effort in it. You're going to have to put some skin in the game. The Bible says you need to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You need to be, well, first of all, we'll go back to the great words of Tyra Banks. Smize. Does anybody know what smize means? Any of you guys? Oh, one girl. Another girl. Smize is smile with your eyes. That's what she'd tell her models. Oh, you need to smize. Well, this word is from a guy by the name of Sam Parker. He says you need to smooth. Say smooth. Smile and move. Smile. This guy, I don't know how I got his email. He's a guy that speaks to businesses, a motivational guy, and has all these little sayings and stuff. But this one is to be a smoover. Smile and move. Smile while you're serving. And he also has two other phrases. He says, don't be a degrunt and don't be a gomo. A degrunt is somebody who is disgruntled. A gomo is somebody just going through the motions. Going through the motions. Go mo. Now, in the last decade, the Gallup organization conducted surveys to determine how into work we are. It's referred to as employee engagement. The average over the decade is 29 out of 100 of us are engaged. We're smoovers. Over half, 54 out of 100, are not engaged. Gomos. 17 out of 100 are actively disengaged or degrunts. The last group works to make things worse. Isn't that saying they put energy and effort in just to tear people down and bring organizations down? First, ask yourself, are you a good employer? Shouldn't Christians be the best employers? It's a shame when I try to help Christians in our church find jobs with, with other people who have businesses, and a lot of times they stand back from some people who call themselves Christians. And sometimes it's not good. I mean, we need to be the best workers. Because there's always a flow of authority. I mean, if you want to please God, children, teenagers, you got to obey your parents. And when we're on work, I mean, God gave us that job. And until you get another one, but you'll never get another one if you're always disgruntled and just going through the motions. Amen? Still love me? Don't matter. No. When you really love somebody, you want to tell them the truth. I will with my children. So what about church? Are you a smoover? Degrunt? Gomo? I don't want to go another year and just go through the motions. And you know, even when you're on staff and you're paid to be good, as Pastor John says, you can go through the motions. You can get things rolling enough. Hey, it's going all right. And I look back last year, how big of an impact did we make? And I, there's some things I'm real excited about. But man, this year, I want it to be just overwhelming. I mean like a snowball at the top of a mountain. You know, it starts rolling. Pretty soon it starts getting bigger. It starts picking up speed. It starts changing the terrain it covers. Man, why can't our church be like that this year? And it only happened if you and me cross over that line and seek Him, find Him, understand that future He has for us, trust Him, use your gifts, believe He has resources for you, and then put out some energy and effort. Amen? Smile and move, smile and work, smile and serve. And the last thing is called the 212 principle from the same guy. At 211 degrees, water's hot. But one degree more, a little more energy, a little more effort, boom, it hits 212, and then it produces steam. Steam produces power. Power can drive a locomotive. Just one more degree of effort. One little degree. 
So this year, are you going to live your life lukewarm? Even if it's 211, man, that's close. But it ain't producing power. Time to turn up the heat. Time to smooth. Now let me bring it home with Johnny Cash video. Jesus saved me. Saved my soul. The very moment he forgave me. He took away my heavy burdens. Lord, he gave me peace within. Peace within. Well, Satan can't make me doubt it. I won't doubt it. It's real and I'm gonna shout it. I'm gonna shout well, it. Hold on, hold on. I hate to interrupt, but you guys got something else. I'm sorry. I can't market gospel no more. So that's it. I don't record material that doesn't sell, Mr. Cash, and gospel like that doesn't sell. So that the gospel is the way I sing it? Both. Well, what's wrong with the way I sing it? I don't believe you. You're saying I don't believe in God? JR, come on, let's go. No, I want to understand, I mean, we come down here, we play for a minute, and he tells me I don't believe in God. You know exactly what I'm telling you. We've already heard that song a hundred times, just like that, just like how you were singing it. Well, you didn't let us bring it home. <laughs> bring it home? All right, let's bring it home. He was hit by a truck, and you were lying out in that gutter dying, and you had time to sing one song. Huh? One song people would remember before your dirt. One song that would let God know what you felt about your time here on earth. One song that would sum you up. You telling me that's the song you'd sing. That same Jimmy Davis tune we hear on the radio all day. About your peace within and how it's real and how you're going to shout it. Or would you sing something different? Something real. Something you felt, because I'm telling you right now, that's the kind of song people want to hear. That's the kind of song that truly saves people. Amen. Let's bring it home, okay? You got one song to sing, one life to live. What's it going to be? I mean, think of your life as a song. Like whether your life is an album, this next year is a, a song on that album. I mean, is it going to be a song that people believe? Because it's your life, really, that's a reflection of who God is. By His love in us, they'll know we're Christians. You know, right now I could close and, and I could put a piece of tape on the floor. We could do an Alamo thing and I could draw a line there and say, hey, everybody cross over. Or I could say, hey, jump up and down three times to show God you're serious or whatever it is. But this is just something you need to walk out at this door and just really ask the Lord. And then start seeking Him. Just begin to seek Him for your life. And just begin to make place. I don't want to go another year going through the motions. Man, I want to be boiling. I want to be boiling hot. Produce some power. Amen? Well, let me ask this question before we go, first of all. You know that line I kind of drew? 30 years in church, but if somebody asked me the question, if I died today, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? 
and I couldn't answer them because I was on this side of the line. I didn't have a relationship with God. And I finally raised my hand and said, say a prayer with me to invite Christ in my life. And I stepped over that line. And that's where I began to find that peace, that plan for my life. And if you're in this room today, I ask you this question. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And if you're not, you need to step over this line. And I explained it very clearly how you do it. You've got to somehow say, God, I invite you in. And the way you can do it in this church is by raising your hand and we'll agree with you and we'll say a prayer with you to invite Christ into your heart. But it's your choice. We won't, it's not, this is not where you're joining the church. This is where you're asking God to come live in your heart and reveal his plan. And you be willing to change and turn from your ways and go his way. And just real quickly, with every eye open, with every head up, if you're serious about following God this year, you've never invited him in your life or you've gotten off track and you need to rededicate today and say, today, Jesus, I give you first place. I want you to hold your hand up right now and we'll pray with you. Anybody in this room, you get things right with God? Proud of you. Proud of all of you. Amen. It's exciting when a whole family says, yes, Lord. Anybody else? Got one back there. Anybody else? We'll just wait on you a minute. Don't believe those voices. I bind the voice of the flesh. I bind the voice of the enemy. And I pray the blinders come off of your eyes in Jesus' name. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't have tomorrow. You can't walk out of this room and get saved. Tomorrow. Today. There's an atmosphere right now. There's an open heaven. Anybody else, real quick, raise your hand. See yours? Anybody else? Okay. See yours. God bless you, son. Proud of you, buddy. Amen. Glad the kids are in here today. You know, the rest of us, we're going to have our altar workers come up here. And I encourage you, if you have to go, I know there's a lot of family things going on. We're going to release you real quick. But some of you just need to come around the altar and just maybe worship a song. And I really felt this. There's some of you going through reoccurring battles. And you need to come up here and agree with one of our altar workers that there's a breakthrough. I mean, there's just power in corporate prayer. And there's just an anointing here for that today. For breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. So don't leave here without agreeing with somebody. Amen. My last thing, real simple. Let's just boil this down. If you want things to change, get saved, number one. Number two, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Ask God to fill you with His Spirit. That's where I got the power to be a witness, and I got a boldness. Ask one of our altar workers. So get saved, get filled with the Spirit. And then after that, if you'll do these things, you'll be strong. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, tell people about Jesus. Let's say it together. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, tell other people about Jesus. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, tell other people about Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's give Jesus one more hand clap this morning. Altar workers, if you'll come up. Everybody that raised your hand, come up right now. Let's give them a big hand clap. If you raised your hand and you're serious, coming out of your seat is crossing that line right now. Some of you are just kind of recommitting or first time. And the rest of the altar workers here, we're going to pray for you.